Welcome back to Snap Talk with Seraph LeSabre. Our first show last week was definitely a rousing success compared to the nothing that existed before, so now it's time to make the new best episode yet, now that there's something to actually compare it against. Now, of course, the goal here is to prove that this wasn't just a one-off thing that I'm going to get bored with easily. I'd like to think that I'm at least a two-trick pony. Small programming note, for now we'll be keeping hosting on SoundCloud, since I do rather like that they're inclined to give me a certain amount of free hosting. The plan here is that by the time I hit the limits of their free service, I'll have something a little bit more permanent in place. Also, I should mention, at the time of recording, I'm still waiting to hear back at the poor sap at Apple who reviews podcast submissions, but hopefully soon at least we'll be on iTunes. That'll help make distribution a little bit easier and hopefully let us get the word out about this show. Because while I'm all about putting stuff out there purely for the sake of self-aggrandizement, you know, it does make it nice to have people actually listen, and I do appreciate my listeners here. Tonight, I'll be discussing that thing that happened last weekend that's got the entire furry fandom losing their minds. Then, I'll have Jonas here to demonstrate my amazing wish-granting powers. Later, I'll be interviewing Malachite Panda about their fantastic art style and how I'm still trying to get used to their new name. Tonight's show is brought to you by the throbbing headache that I had most of yesterday, dealing with the pain for when you're too cheap to just go to the store and buy some painkillers. This is episode two of Snap Talk. Let's start the show. Snap Talk. This is Snap Talk. There is a snap, and it's talking, and it's Snap Talk. This is the theme song for Snap Talk. Welcome to episode 2 of Snap Talk with Seraph LeSabre. I'm your host, Seraph LeSabre. Folks, let's talk about what happened last weekend at Rainforest. And by talk, I mean I'll lecture you for a few minutes, and then you'll all take to the comments section to tell me about how wrong I am. Now, what happened at Rainforest? Well, for starters, the convention saw a 5% growth in attendance, with just over 2,700 attendees, and raised over $10,000 for charity. It was, as furcons are, a fantastic event that brought thousands of furries together, helped inject money into the local economy, and friends that separated by distance got to spend a whole weekend together. But who gives two shits about that when there was a guy in a diaper? Yes, in proper furry fashion, a single photo of a single guy wandering the con space in a pup play hood, leather vest, and adult-sized diaper exploded onto the internet, reaching from furry Twitter to FA journals to cringe material websites where it was sandwiched in between a photo of a 20-year-old man sobbing while singing along to My Little Pony and a photo of a guy taking his anime waifu body pillow out to a romantic dinner at Taco Bell. And with that photo brought out the usual song and dance, tweets and comments everywhere with the usual this is why people hate furries, and that's so horrible to bring out in public, and my personal favorite, there were children in this convention space. Now make no mistake, going around in what's definitely fetish gear, wearing what boils down to underwear in public, it's tacky at best, and I can't say I entirely approve of the guy doing it. But the overall reaction is what's really had me rolling my eyes. 
to understand, let's go about 700 miles south of Seattle, where furries were lamenting the loss of their sweet innocence of their eyes, south to San Francisco, where they were celebrating the annual Folsom Street Fair. Now before you Google that, make sure that you're in browser driving mode and haven't got your boss around, because it's a yearly, very much public celebration of BDSM, kink, and men and women walking around wearing outfits so revealing that they'd probably be less naked if they were just wearing nothing. Folsom Street Fair is a celebration of kink, where for one Sunday, all of society's rules about sex shaming and kink shaming are held up, strapped to a St. Andrew's cross, and publicly flogged. And if you think that it's contained to five blocks of Folsom Street, well, if you're anywhere near the Soma District that weekend, you're going to see some shit. And it's considered perfectly acceptable. In fact, SF Gate's article about the weekend's debauchery was even titled, Is that a guy in a diaper at Folsom Street Fair? Of course it is. Now I know, I know, you can quit typing up the angry comments, I know that there's a world of difference between a Furcon and Folsom Street Fair, but it does provide a hell of a basis to contrast against. The event that was populated by quote-unquote normies reacts to a guy in a diaper with, eh, whatever, right on bro. Whereas the event populated by people with hard disks full of drawings of animal dicks reacts with, this man has brought shame on our wholesome gathering. Now why the disconnect? Well, it all comes down to a single question. The one question that every furry has been asked, and the question that makes every furry squirm. So is this all some big sex thing? Every time a furry is asked if furry is all about sex, you can feel the shockwave from their assholes slamming shut as they scramble to explain that it's not about sex and it's about art and music and creativity and friendship and being yourself. And when an example of furry sexuality is brought up, they rush to condemn it as it not being representative of the fandom at whole. Really, we're free to be ourselves as long as ourselves are socially acceptable. There's definitely two sides to the furry phantom, and denying one side really does no justice to the other or the whole. <laughs> justice to the whole. Now, furry is definitely unique from other fandoms that you'll find on the internet, in that we make the canon ourselves. With Doctor Who, Star Wars, Trekkie Scum, whatever fandom you can find on Tumblr, they all revolve around an established creation. There's something to put at the heart of their fandom, be it a TV show, a set of movies, whatever. With Furry, though, we create that heart for ourselves, with our art, our music, our talk show podcasts. So Furry means different things to different people, and this diversity of Furry experiences is really what part of what makes the fandom so great. In fact, we hold weekend-long gatherings throughout the year across the world to bring these different sides together into a Furry convention. Now getting back to the point, was it appropriate for a guy to wander the halls in fetish gear in a public space that's not specifically set aside to fetish? No, there's no question that it's not, but that's not the point. The point is that this was not a guy wandering around in fetish gear, this was… this was an art piece. The man in this photo, he represents two sides of the furry fandom. From the waist up, he is dressed in leather fetish gear. He represents the raw sexuality of the furry fandom, hidden behind a leather pup play hood. 
below the waist, he wears a diaper with designs in pink and blue with his junk hidden behind snow-white plastic, clearly a representation of the childish innocence of the fandom. The meeting of the two and the reaction to the people around him show the dissonance between the two sides and the need for the fandom to find a way to reconcile its sexuality against its innocence so that we can focus on the larger problems at hand that there were people walking around this convention in fucking minions fursuits, goddammit. And if you think that a guy in a diaper is worse than that, then you are part of the fucking problem. And welcome back to Snap Talk. I'm here with an artist known as Jonas, the legendary raccoon, or trash panda as I prefer. Jonas, how's it going today? Hey, how's it going? Going all right. What you been up to? Not a whole lot. Just drawing, drawing, drawing is kind of what I do and enjoying this beautiful Colorado weather. Well, that is kind of what artists tend to do. And I definitely appreciate you for it. Been working on anything special? Not particularly, although we do have the Spookython going on. It's a little uh, marathon uh, streaming, uh, co-hosted by me and Stoker. We got, we're watching a lot of fun little videos and Halloween specials and things like that while I get art done. It's uh, it's uh, just a cute little thing. Just have fun. The timing will definitely be good on that. Now, Jonas, I'm not sure if you know, but a little snap secret. Snow leopards actually have the power to grant wishes. Did you know this? I always suspected well, Jonas, as since I like you so much, I'm going to provide a special service. I am going to grant you three wishes. They can be whatever you want, and yes. I will grant them. All right, so here. Uh, why don't you give it a moment to think, and what's your first wish, Jonas? Mm, how about art lessons from all the legendary art masters of history? Okay, I can think I can do that. Let me just... Um, your wish is granted, and who better to teach you art than the original artists, cavemen in Mesopotamia? You'll be given art lessons by these cavemen, and your mud paintings of mammoths and oryx will be known in archaeological dig sites throughout the world. Oh, well, that's, um, almost what I... okay. Now, now, what's your second wish? Um, okay. World peace. World peace, always a very noble thing. And let me, it's a bit of a taller order. I gotta, you know, loosen up a bit. And your wish is now granted. All war and political tension has immediately ceased. Awesome. Of, cor of course, you know, can't grant this wish without uh, completely eliminating the desire to for war, so everything that caused these tensions is now gone as well. No more war, nor will there ever be war in the future. And of course, without any war to deal with, all of our militaries, all of our weapons, those have all been disbanded, discarded. And the largest impetus for technological advancement and science, uh, that's all stagnating a little bit, just because we don't really have anyone to kill with our new technologies. But it seems like a veritable utopia until the not-peace-like creatures from another world come and decide to enslave all of humanity, seeing us as easy targets. Well, that ain't so good. Hey, 
it was your wish, man. You wanted the piece. All right, well, I get but one here, more. yep, you get one more, and try not to mess it up. All right, I got one that I can't possibly mess up. All right, a lifetime supply of bagels and coffee. Ooh, bagels and coffee. Those will suit you very well. A little bit of an easier one to to rustle up. Let me just um, get some stuff going. And all right. Here you go. I've got one bagel and one cup of coffee for you. Just one? Go on. Dig in. Take a bite. Um, all right. Your lifetime supply. Well, was kind of a... Well, well, Jonas, sounds like you've got some uh, some eating to do, so I guess I can leave you to that. Wasn't there supposed to be more? You asked for a lifetime supply. I think I can go through one bagel pretty quickly. All right, I'm just gonna... savor it. Yeah. Well, Thank Jonas, you. you've been great I'm today. Good. I hope you definitely wish you the best luck for SpookyCon. <laughs> we'll be right back after these short messages. And we're back on Snap Talk. Here with me is furry artist Malachite Panda, author of the Twincest comic. She's agreed to do a nice little interview with me. So how's it going today? Uh, it's going good. Working on badges, all sorts of stuff. Fantastic. Now, with those badges, your art really is your full-time job. So you must find a lot of people, a lot of normal people outside the fandom asking you just what you do for a living. Obviously, you know, describing yourself as a full-time furry artist is not really the best thing to tell Nana. So what do you usually tell them that you do? <laughs> well, I have a tiered approach. Um, it depends on what kind of person they are and how likely I am to see them again. So if it's, uh, if it's someone who seems really nerdy and who reads comics, then I will tell them I do family portraits. Mm. And if it's somebody who is pretty normal and might ask me for a character or a drawing of their family, then I tell them I do comics. And, um... If it's someone I trust or it's someone I particularly don't like and won't see again, I just tell them I do adult art and they usually don't ask questions. Uh, so the classic, tell them the truth as filtered as possible, because I yeah. suppose in a way you do do family portraits, quote unquote. <laughs> yeah, they're really close. <clears throat> now, a lot of your fan base knows you by your original name, Spixie. When you changed it, did you find it particularly challenging to change a name that you've used for years? Um, it was, but I think I did it early enough still where I avoided a lot of harder challenges. Um, like, I'm not known very publicly at conventions or anything like that, so I haven't had to worry about that so much. But uh, a lot of my art is signed with my old name, so my portfolio looks really weird, for example. And I had to move galleries on FA since they don't allow you to switch your name, so... Yeah, I know the signature bit. I've got this picture on my wall next to me with signed by some artist named Spixie, but I cannot find that artist for the life of me now. <laughs> Pretty much. Now, your art seems to really effortlessly pivot between being just saccharine cute to almost cringe-inducing levels of gore, but both styles are very distinctly you. Do you find that you have to do a lot to get into different headspaces to do these different kinds of art? 
I really do. Um, a lot of the times before and during streams is me picking music to get me in the right headspace, or I'll sit there with my eyes closed and like think about weird shit till I can draw weird shit, you know? What sort of music do you like to go for for different kinds of art? Um, anything with like like dubstep or heavy beats, I guess. Anything that's like kind of sensual to, to me anyways. Um, a lot of George Barnett, he has like one album, but I love his mm-hmm. stuff. Now, in the wake of two destructive hurricanes right on Connecticut's shoreline in the last few years, the state has really found a renewed interest in environmental protections. Now, as a resident of Connecticut, what are your favorite kinds of underwear to draw? <laughs> um, well, every kind of underwear is important and unique in the context of who's wearing it and why. So that's a really difficult question. Um, and yet I'm still yeah. going to make you answer it. I am going to make you choose your favorite baby here. Jeez. Uh, I'm going to go with the basic, just like, not not a thong, but regular like panties with the lace and the one simple ribbon on the front, preferably striped. Lacy panties with a little ribbon on the front, and always got to go for the stripes to show off the nice curves in there. Mm-hmm. Shimapan all the way. Mm-hmm. You've been to several furry conventions, both as a dealer and as an attendee. Generally speaking, which side of the dealer table do you tend to prefer? The side where you get to wander around, or the side where you get to interact with folks? Um, I like being a dealer, or even in the artist alley, a lot more. Because if I'm just let loose in a con, I don't know what to do with myself. I end up just sitting in a corner and drawing anyways. So it, it lets me meet new people in a way that like they come to me, so it doesn't feel mm-hmm. as awkward, and I get to make money. And definitely good to at least go to a con and not at least completely have your savings completely decimated. Yeah, that is very true. It's hard to spend money when you don't get to get out during the dealer's den. (laughs) Exactly. One last question for you. Out of your extensive collection, which is your favorite mashup of the Space Jam theme song? Okay. Definitely. Like, it's, you'd think it'd be hard to pick, but actually my all-time favorite is, you can find it on YouTube, titled Barkley Wright equals Cheetah Champ. Cheetah Jam 2 Quad City DJs versus, and it keeps going, and it's a mix of um, Phoenix Wright, Cheetah Men, and Space Jam. And like, in the first 10 seconds, it starts off with the Phoenix Wright song, and then it picks up speed into Cheetah Men, and then that, that bass comes in, and it's Space Jam, and like, in 20 seconds, you are ready to fucking tackle the world. It is the best. And, and just to give listeners a bit of an idea of the significance of that... How many of these uh, slam jams do you have in your library? Um, on my computer, I only save like 20-ish, but on my playlist, I have a couple, like 350 playlists going, so... <laughs> 350 remixes of the Space Jam theme song. It's an important song to me. I can't blame you. It's a very important song to many of us. Mm-hmm. If you don't start your day with a slam jam, you might as well not start your day. Slam Jam and a cup of coffee. (laughs) Just dunk that coffee. Fuck it. Well, Mal, it's been great talking to you. Definitely hope to hear more from you soon. I'll be looking forward to seeing the remainder of Twincest come out.
Yeah, definitely. Um, I should have that done in about a month. It's going to be revised so the old pages aren't all crappy. They match the newer pages since I wrote it over the course of two years. So, yeah. Well, all right. Have a great rest of your day, and we'll be right back. Thanks so much. Well, folks, that about wraps up Snap Talk for this week. I'd like to give a special thanks to both my guests. You can find Jonas on Twitter at, at @JonasDoesStuff and Malachite Panda at, at Malachite Panda. Well, folks, we'll be back next week with hopefully episode three of Snap Talk. Until then, I'm Sarah Flasaber. Have a good night. Snap Talk. This is Snap Talk. There is a snap, and it's talking, and it's snap-talk. This is the theme song for snap-talk. <laughs>